Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. All right, Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. I wanna give this little... Um, I'll just say it like this. Each time that I minister a message, I've either am currently going through it or have already gone through it and God has given me some personal keys to give to you all. And I pray that that's exactly what happens today. Um, it's hard. You know it when a minister, have you ever heard a minister speak and the, the words were true in what they said, but the words carried no weight? Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's how you know this is an indicator. It's either two things. Either you don't have um, the discernment to uh, receive what he's saying, number one, or number two, and this is more than likely the issue, is that uh, that minister is not speaking from a place of uh, experience. And you know when they are just words. They usually know it, and you know it. They may get through a service but this service will have very little impact because the Holy Spirit partners with two things, the Word of God, say the Word, and experience to the Word. Amen. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Okay. Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. I'm going to start, excuse me, 32 through 42. So I may have given you the wrong. Anyway, just stay with me. I'll read it out loud. And it'll also be translated in Spanish. Thank you, Jesus. It says, Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. This was speaking of Jesus and his disciples. Say Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I'll pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch. And when he went a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. I want to just stop there for just one second and just park for a second. You all, myself included, will at some point come across something in your life and you will ask God to let this thing pass from you. Something that he's calling you to go through. Some kind of challenge might be marital, might be relational, might be a sickness, might be pain in your body, but it, some kind of an obstacle that you will ask the Lord, let this pass, pass by. And he goes on to say that my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death, stay here and watch. And then he went a little further, fell to the ground, prayed that it were, if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. See, it wasn't just the cup, but it was the hour to pass from him. And then he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. And this verse is the reason for my sermon today. He says, take this cup. Everybody say, take this cup from me. Now watch what Jesus says. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And then he found them again sleeping. Jesus came back and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch for me? 
or watch with me for one hour. Watch and pray. And he spoke the same words again and again. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came to them a third time. So notice that Jesus continues to go back to God looking for a different answer. He keeps going back to God, praying the same thing, looking for a different answer. Jesus says, are you still sleeping and resting? He said, it is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And Everybody say amen to the reading of God's word. The past several weeks, um, I've never consecutively preached um, a series of messages like I have here, and I could probably park almost a year here. I normally don't do that. Usually the scriptures that I use or the sermon titles that I use is kind of like popcorn. is very, very different. At least I would like to, to think so. But I've really been stuck in this series entitled, um, Why Is This Not Working? Somebody say, Why Is This Not Working? slash keys to the kingdom. And, and my whole scripture, who is, who's been here for the past several weeks hearing this series? Who has not been? Okay, there's a couple of you. Let me just give a little quick background. Um, I'm noticing more and more in my walk with the Lord that it's less about God loving me. Of course, that is true meaning the reason that you're not seeing breakthrough in certain areas of your life. And it's less about him because that's not questionable because God loves you even in our messes. He loves us. In the midst of our sins, he loves us. In the midst of bad mistakes, he loves us. In the middle of our sicknesses, he loves us. In the middle of difficulty and demonic attacks and all the rest and marital problems and issues and headaches, back aches and doctor visits and cancer treatments and people turning our back they're back on us and rejection and job loss, financial issues, all of that stuff. God still loves us in the middle of that. But it's hard not to ask ourselves this question when we're going through difficulties. If God loves me, why am I going through this? I see the promises of God written in the Bible. Pastor says, if I run around enough, shout enough, quote the scripture enough, these certain things will happen in my life. But yet, after all these years of me declaring and decreeing and being faithful to God's word, being faithful to his work, being faithful in my giving, why in the world does this specific thing continue to persist, persist in my life? You're the only one who hasn't felt that way. Has anybody in here ever felt that way? Questioning the love of God based on your situations? Thank God that we don't have to live our lives based on a feeling. So I'm learning this more and more that the reason why many things are not working in our life is not because God doesn't love you. It's simply because we lack certain keys in God's kingdom. And so week one, I, I ministered this message entitled, Why Is This Not Working? And the basis of the scripture was when Jesus came down the mountain, his disciples were trying to cast out a demon and could not. They go to Jesus privately. And by, by, way, by the way, they had power to cast this demon out. And they go to Jesus and said, why in the world can we not cast this demon out? Because Jesus probably waved his hand, laid his hand on him, and the demon cast out. They said, Jesus, if we have power, why, couldn't, why wouldn't this demon come out? And Jesus said these words. 
This kind cannot come out unless there is prayer and fasting. Everybody say that was, that's a key. If certain things persist in your life, sometimes it may take more than just going to church for your deliverance or for your breakthrough. Sometimes it might take prayer and fasting. I'm not talking about putting away a ham sandwich. I'm talking about living in a season where you're consecrating yourself before the Lord because it don't make no difference if you starve yourself if you stay busy throughout the day. You have to consecrate yourself, focus on the Lord, die to the flesh because that will then in turn cause breakthrough to come as a result. That's a key. Somebody say that's a key. And one of the other messages, and I really got a lot of good feedback, I say that sarcastically, about this next thing. Somebody say, why is this not working? I preached this message called choose the, choose the harp and not the spear. And this was an Old Testament uh, scripture that I was using between the, the, the correlation between Saul and King David. Saul was called by God, but then he started to exalt himself and God humbled him. And how David had an opportunity to kill Saul, but because I believe that God set up that situation to see if David would still honor him. Somebody who was deserved dishonor. But in the midst of all of that, David still honors a man who deserved dishonor. And because David did that, he got elevated as king. So we were talking about how sometimes keys to your breakthrough is humility. Taking the low road. When you have an opportunity to hurt somebody or their reputation or to do wrong back, you don't take advantage of it. And this is the way of Jesus. And I was teaching on how sometimes we actually lock doors by having lack of humility. See, we don't, want, we don't shout. This not, might not be a shouting message. But sometimes we actually lock doors and don't open them because of the way that we speak about people. So you can be a loving Christian and show up on the worship team and serve on the front row and open doors and smile for people. But if you're talking behind people's back or dishonoring certain authorities and you're, you've been praying and you've been giving, but yet those doors still persist to stay locked, it's not because God doesn't love you. Not because he doesn't want to cause breakthrough to happen in your life. It could be due to a lack of humility in certain areas. And thirdly, of course, this was a shouting message few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, we talked about one of the keys in God's kingdom is to be persistent, to be persistent. There's something to be said about someone who has spiritual grit that is willing to go the distance with God and to keep pressing and to not give up too early. I heard a message a long time ago about the children of Israel going around the walls of Jericho as the first city that they were going to take. Can you imagine if they stopped on lap five? How many times were they supposed to walk around the walls? Seven times. Some, some people were like, was it six or seven? I was wondering myself. I was like, is it six or seven? I heard somebody preach this message called don't, don't stop on six. There's something to be said about persistency in God's kingdom. And God generally doesn't release keys to people who give up easy. This is why it's important for you to fight through that season of your marriage. This is why it's important for you to keep showing up at work even though they may not be paying you the pay rate that you want to be paid. Oh, hallelujah. It's quiet up in the Presbyterian church up sitting here this morning. Sometimes you have to keep doing the right thing even when you don't see results. Can you imagine how they felt? Round one, no results. Round two, no results. Year three, still nobody showing up in the church. Can you still keep going even when you don't see results? 
God will entrust you with keys when you're doing the right thing and what, you, what he's called you to, right? That's important, obeying the voice of the Lord. But if you know that God said it, don't you dare give up. Because to forfeit what you're doing is to forfeit the promise of God. So even when we don't see results, there's a song that says, even when I can't see it, you're working. Look at somebody and say, he's still working. Even when you don't see it. So how does this relate to what I'm talking about today? Today is probably the most, no, least shouting scripture I'm ever going to preach on. But I do know this, this scripture is very, very important to me because it has helped me to survive some of the most suffering seasons that I've ever gone through. And you're either in a couple different places this morning. Either you are on your way, on your to your Gethsemane. This is where Jesus was. Jesus is the model. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Because everything that Jesus modeled in the Bible, he turned around to his disciples and said, you're going to go through the same thing. Does everybody know that? Like Jesus did it all, but you know you will go through something too, right? In order to get to what God has called you to. Because as he carried the cross, he turned around to his disciples and said, hey, you take up your cross too and follow me daily. So yes, Jesus died on the cross for you, but that just doesn't make every single way for you. There might be some things that you have to go through in order to get what God opened up for you. And there's certain keys that you have to use in those doors that are locked to unlock the destiny that he's called you to. Does everybody hear what I'm saying this morning? And so I want to minister uh, this message this morning. It's, it's entitled, the, the cup is the key. The cup is the key. Everybody say the cup. The cup is the key. Now, what do I mean by the cup? Jesus is vehemently saying, let this cup pass from me. And this is where you have to be real careful with God. This is where people get lost with God and they miss what he wants to do in their lives is because you think because it's painful, it's not God. And do you know that even the son of God was tempted to let the cup pass? But do you know if he let the cup pass, you and I wouldn't be sitting in this room today? You wouldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit? The blood wouldn't be able to break certain things that are going on in your life? But because he drank from the cup, it gave us access into what he made a way to. Somebody say the cup is the key. If we're honest, when most of us come to the Lord, it's not because of how he suffered for us. It's not because he wants to bless us with a BMW. Or maybe it is because... He wants to, you, we think he wants to bless us. And he does. I, believe, I really truly believe in the blessings of God. Don't, don't get that wrong. I really believe that Amen. the blessings of the Lord are for today and for his children. I do believe that his people should not lack one good thing. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. But you will go through seasons where if God does want you to be financially blessed, you may go through a season of drought because it's the Lord testing you to see if you'll be faithful with little. I lived on a... Uh, I slept on a floor for 20 years. I'm only 37. So you start doing the mathematics. <laughs> My wife would laugh at me. She would get up in the middle of the night and think something was wrong with me. It almost, I'm commanding tears back up right now because I remember it took a whole year to get used to sleeping on a mattress. She would wake up and say, why are you sleeping on the floor, honey? You're weird. 
I would, because I would ache if I would sleep on a bed because I was so used to the floor. I remember I would be standing in the middle of that king size frame before I got married. Dean remembers this. I was renting from you and your, your lovely wife, Jane. Do you remember you guys called me one day? And he'll raise your hand if I'm telling the truth. And you guys called me and said, why don't you have a bed in here and you let somebody come over to clean? Raise your hand if you remember that. I was living there for a year or two and they, they would seen slats. You know what slats are? I had the bed frame. Well, I, that was my walls of Jericho. Every time I would get home from work, I would be prophesying a mattress in the middle of the bed. Walking around the perimeter. It was only about, what, eight feet by eight feet? Now, now don't be mad at me. Y'all would be furious if you seen my bed now. But the church didn't pay for it. Somebody say amen. Sometimes when you are called to be victorious, you will suffer lots of defeat first. It's a testing. God tests his people. So we don't like to talk about tests. Nobody wants to take tests. And more times than not, God is most silenced, silent during those testing seasons. And this was another key. Do not give... When God doesn't say anything, it doesn't mean move. Usually, he'll, if, he, if, he, if he has something you for, to do next, if he has something for you to do or a move he wants you to make, he'll speak. When he doesn't, it means stay still. When he's not speaking, when you're not getting the confirmations, it's important to stay still and not move, no matter how uncomfortable it is. Amen? But most of us come to the Lord because of what he can do in our lives. If you're depressed, great scripture, Matthew Chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Great scripture for those who are struggling with depression. If you lack peace, we've got scriptures like Philippians 4, verse 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're lacking joy this morning, we come to Jesus because 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 20 says, for you are our glory and our joy. Many of us come to Jesus for that reason. And I believe that God does use his blessings to sometimes uh, bring his people in. But at some point in your life, you will come to this. It's a guarantee that you will come to this Garden of Gethsemane experience when you will question everything that God is doing in your life. And you will pray just like Jesus prayed in the garden. Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. And you know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week? There's one primary reason we all come to this Gethsemane experience. Do you know what it is? You know what God is after in your life? It's one thing. Identification. Does everybody understand what I mean when I say identification? In order for you to receive the blessings that God has for you, because he is a blesser, say he's a blesser. Before he does that, he needs identification. He needs you to identify with him. Most of my childhood, I grew up with lots of suffering. My father was murdered when I was nine. I was on the streets by 15. By the age of 17, I was living on my own in my own home, paying my own bills. My mom, I didn't know where she was. She, I was a heathen, and so, you know, I don't blame her. Now she's my best friend. She's not here this morning, but she's normally... In that little seat right there, it kind of feels weird this morning with her or not, because she's my shouter and amen and clapper. She's my best friend now, but I, I went through a lot of heartache. And, and here's, I remember when I picked up, this might be too heavy for some of you. I remember picking up a 357 revolver and putting it up against my temple. 
And it being so easy, I just wanted to, this earth in my mind at that time was not, it was not, life was not worth living. And then I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit. If you drink this cup, I will crown you. If you go through what I'm allowing you to go through. In other words, God is saying to some of you who are suffering and going through something tremendous right now in this moment of your life, he's giving you something to preach. He's giving you something to say. People who've been through nothing have nothing to say. Or like the pastor that I told you about have something to say, but the saying doesn't have any impact on my life. Because you know when somebody's been through something because their words will carry weight when they say something. And you're going through that very simple thing in your life, that rejection, that pain, that tribulation, that heartache, that resistance that you're facing because God is setting you up so you have something to say. And, you, and it may not be on a pulpit. Maybe it's in your cubicle. Maybe it's at your job. Maybe God's giving you to, something to say in that marriage. Maybe God is giving you something to say to younger women later on who've been abused like you have. Maybe God is giving you something to say that when God does bless you financially, you can tell how, how you got out of that pit and help somebody else get out of it. Y'all ain't talking to the preacher this morning. Sometimes you have to go through something in order to know how to pick somebody else out of it. So God wants identification. He wants you to understand how he suffered so that you can help deliver other people. I prayed this. And you know a little bit of, Dean knows a lot of bit of my story actually. And I prayed. I remember I was in my marriage. I was happily married. Happily. And then I started praying crazy prayers. Lord, make me like you. I prayed David's prayer. And I mean, I meant it when I prayed it. I regretted it. I want to, and this is what David prayed in the book of Psalms. I want to be touched with the feelings of your infirmities. And then all of a sudden, you know what came knocking on my door? Suffering. Then I understand how Jesus meant, felt towards his bride. Who's the bride? Who's the bride? Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. The church, church is the bride, the bride of Christ, who he's looking for without spot or wrinkle. So I understood what Jesus felt when his bride turned his back on him. I, st I started feeling what Jesus began to feel. And I understand having a son and all of that, and I'm, I'm one of those dads who reads the, you know, the book of Jonah to him, you know, Jonah and the whale every single night. I can't help myself. I love spending time with my kids. I'm not one of those dads who doesn't, I put my kids to bed every single night. So the shared time thing, feeling that distance, not being able to see my son for five days, I was beginning to understand how Jesus felt, how God felt having his son so distant from him. Oh, the Bible says it. It says he could not look at Jesus and he turned his back on him. How do I know that? Because he said, Lama Shabakta, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Shabakthani, which means or is translated, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God uses painful experience in your life to get you to identify with him. To understand his pain. You cannot understand God until you understand his pain.
Many of you understand this, what I mean. You work in highly secure areas at your job. I remember we used to work for, was it Siemens? Large corporate company. I used to help run his painting division, Dean. And uh, you guys would give me these lanyards that would get us access into certain things. And, and it would be frustrating because you try to go to a certain area and th that certain card wouldn't work. And if you lacked identification, you couldn't get in that certain area. There's certain areas in our lives where God will not give us until we've passed the test of being identified with him. Does everybody hear what I'm saying this morning? There has to be an identification. And listen to this, what Romans chapter 8, verse 17 says, I hope we can put it up on the screen. And children, if then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if what? If we indeed, this is for your reference, Romans chapter 8, verse 17, I want to make sure that you know we're being scripturally sound here. This is very important, not just spiritual, but scripturally sound. Say scripturally sound is, is important. He said, heirs of God, you know what an heir is? That means they can adopt or, or receive from all that that specific person has. So if you're an heir of God, it says, if indeed only, if we suffer with him. Yeah, it says that. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Many of you in this room this morning are not accessing certain things in God's kingdom because you are resisting the suffering that God's allowing you to go through. I knew I wouldn't even get one shout off that one. But this is where I have become a little bit tired of seeing the believers not walk into the fullness of God. And I want to see all of you, every single one of you in this room, all of you watching by live stream this morning, however many there are, I want to see us get beyond this place of frustration and walk through the doors that God has called us to. And one door that is worthy of taking note of, but maybe not worthy of shouting about yet, is going through oftentimes seasons of suffering to identify with Christ so that we can walk into the fullness of God. Sometimes the most subtle temptations are not the major sins. Stealing. Lying. See, we, we can talk about all that in the church. And this is why the world has become judgmental, rightfully so, of the church. Because we talk about all those things. Lying, stealing, smoking, lust, unforgiveness. But what about the people that are right up in the church singing the songs that I surrender and know in their heart that they have not surrendered to Jesus, that they are refusing the very cup that God has called them to drink from and to avoid seasons that God has ordained for you, short seasons of suffering is to avoid the will of God. And can I tell you something, a little key? There is no faster way to be promoted spiritually than to stay committed to the Lord through an intense season of suffering. This is how promotion comes in. I'm going to show you that in just a few moments if you all will just bear with me. And every believer will at some point be tested with suffering to some degree. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5 through 11. Listen to this. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. You know when it's talking about that, that, that word glorified? Do you know if you, if you look in the Hebrew what he's talking about glorification? Do you know what that was meaning? Going to the cross. He was calling glorification. See, we think glory, crowns, riches, promotion. Glorification, he was talking about before he was glorified, meaning going to the cross. In other words, the suffering 
This is why people miss it. It drives right by them. They look at the suffering as, that's not God. I've got to walk away from that, not knowing you just walked away from promotion in God's kingdom. So Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. Notice he didn't get promoted to high priest until he went to the cross. But as he, it was he, meaning God, say God, who said to him, baby's okay. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, talking about when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. Say Gethsemane. With vehement cries and tears, he was also able to save him from death. And, he, and it was heard because of his godly fear. Watch this. Watch this. This is so good. Next verse. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things in which he suffered. There's some people who've got mad at me and almost left the church because I wouldn't give them what they wanted immediately. And that's how many people are, rightfully so. And you know what? One tactic that I use just so, and just in case you want to get involved somewhere, I'll let you suffer for a little while. Real hungry. Let me start the children's church. I want to start ballet. I want to do this. Let's see if you could just stay consistent with the church and come for a little while. Can we just start there? Can we build a little bit of rapport? Can we make sure you're just trusted? But they were about to leave. And the other day I sat down with them. I said, why didn't you leave? He said, oh, I was about to leave. I said, I wanted to watch you suffer for a little while. Because I know if you don't get what you want immediately and still stay, you can be trusted. And this is the way that God works. He works this way. God will oftentimes withhold certain blessings to see. He wants to know that you don't stick around him for the stuff. He wants to know you're not coming to church just for a new ride. Or to heal your marriage. Because oftentimes when he gives it to you too soon. I've had people who've come to me and I'm coming to church every day. My business is going under. Pray for me, pastor. Pray for him. Their business explodes. Haven't seen him at church since. But you learn obedience and faithfulness when you suffer oftentimes, because suffering oftentimes creates obedience in you. You were talking about communion this morning. You know what the Holy Spirit, I, maybe I've heard this before, maybe it was something the Lord dropped in me. Communion means coming into union. That's what it means. So it's not that I want to drink that nasty juice and that stale um, what is that even really? It's a wafer. Maybe we should start dipping it first. It's like peanut butter. It can't talk for two days. It gets stuck on the roof. Coming, it's, it's the fact that I'm wanting to uh, go come into union with Jesus. Coming into union. I want you to pay attention to this. I know I'm reading a lot of scripture today, but this was profound to me. In John chapter 6, verse 52 through 60, and then it jumps down to verse 66. This has everything to do with suffering here. Say suffering. suffering. Say suffering is a key. Say it's the key to my next breakthrough. Watch this. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves. They're fighting because of what Jesus is doing. Saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Because Jesus is talking about dying and stuff. Y'all were supposed to laugh because it was not pastoral at all. 
Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, say communion. You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is blood. Excuse me. My flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the Father sent me, and I live because of my Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. Watch this, though. Follow, track me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, meaning Jesus. Say Jesus. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead now. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Here's the verse I wanted you to check out. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Isn't it funny? Isn't it so funny that when everything is going good in your life, everybody's there to celebrate? You go start talking about suffering or going through suffering, you start finding out who your friends are. Oh, they were there when, they, when he raised Lazarus and called him, Lazarus, come forth and got out of the grave. The church grew then. When everybody got a word of knowledge, everybody showed up. It was easy to call 5,000 people and feed them with five loaves and two fish. Everybody shows up. The Bible says maybe even 15,000 people. Everybody shows up when there's miracles. Everybody shows up when something is in store for them, when they know that they've got something waiting at the table. And this is how many Christians are. I'll follow Jesus as long as things are good. I'll show up to church as long as my bills are paid. Oh, come on. Come back next week, okay? It gets, I'll, I'll preach something that may get more shouts. But this week is talking about keys to the kingdom. And one of the keys are oftentimes suffering because as soon as Jesus brought up suffering stuff, like you will suffer too, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. You know what I found out about Jesus? Dean has found this out and is finding this out. I have certainly in relationships, it's easy to love somebody for a month or two. When the miracles are happening, when the numbers are up, when you're making money, when you can pay for the dinner. I'm just trying to be practical. When you can take care of the bill, when all, everything is going okay in your life. And that's how people are with the Lord, as long as he's doing good. But as soon as they get to this place where they're about to go through a season of suffering, they turn back from him and walk with him no more. And this is where most people get lost in the turn with Jesus. And I want to say to you this morning, I plead with you. I plead with you. Do not get lost in the turn. When it is time for you to go through a difficult season in your life, I beg you. Lean with him in the turn. Usually, usually suffering is usually, I'll get to that in just a minute, Lord. But usually it's, it's right before major breakthrough happens. It's right before. And I'll teach you on that in just a moment. And I'm not going to be much longer, but I need you to bear with me this morning. Look, look at somebody and say, give pastor some grace period with time. I want you to notice this. Jesus kept coming back to the Father and saying, Father, if it be thy will, let this bitter cup pass from me. 
listen to me, if God is not saying anything or providing another way, drink it. He's not changing his mind. He's not giving you confirmations to shift. Whatever that looks like, shift jobs, shift friendships, shift locations, shift from here to, I don't know, Minnesota. Don't, don't move. Drink it. If he's not speaking, don't buy the Airstream yet. Drink it. If he didn't say leave that job because the boss, he didn't say well, every boss who's nice to you back, serve him. Drink it. If that spouse is driving you up the wall and God hasn't changed him or her most of the time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. That was a joke. I just wanted to see y'all's reaction. It is leather. I did that for on purpose. I bought it leather. If it hasn't changed... I need my armor uh, guards to walk with me after service. <laughs> Avoid my wife. If he hasn't healed you just yet, Amen. drink it. Yes. If you haven't got that place yet, and you're wondering why God hasn't come, th come through for you, drink it. If you're working more hours than you want and you want a different job, drink it. If you don't know why the situation hasn't changed yet, maybe it hasn't changed because your attitude, maybe because God hasn't accomplished his work yet. Your, your attitude still hasn't changed. Therefore, the situation hasn't changed. I have found out, do you realize that the grace of God entered Jesus once he drank it? This is a key in God's kingdom. This is going to help you get through what you're going through because you can, you can, this is a one size fits all deal because all of us are going through something. Some kind of thing where you're like, God, give me a cup. I don't, I don't, Dean said I needed to preach this three years ago. But the question is, do you like it yet? Now that's big. That's next level. Some of us may be willing to drink it, but you still don't like it. And here's what we have to like. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You have to like the will of God. You don't have to understand. You have to light bulb at some point has to come on and say, I simply trust that your way is better than mine. And do you know if Jesus would have resisted, if he would have resisted, if he would have said, if he would have went another way, and this is what demons do. They want you to take a different way. You don't have to suffer. Don't drink it. Don't be the humble one. They were mean to you. We're not in the Old Testament anymore. It's not eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's loving your enemies. It's praying for those who use you, spitefully use you, and persecute you. Blessed. Bless those who curse you. Drink it. If it hurts, Drink it. If it pains you, drink it. Everybody wants the crown. Few want to drink the cup.
And if you want the crown, you must drink the cup. You must. You must. Drink it. I thought the Apostle Paul would have learned this lesson because he preceded Jesus. God was giving you that, wasn't he? He prayed three times. The Apostle Paul, you know, the guy who wrote the epistles, two-thirds of the New Testament, he didn't have a cup. He had a, he had a thorn. And I prayed to the Lord three times. Sounds like Jesus. He prayed three times that the thorn would remove. And here's what God said to him. He didn't even answer his question or give him the reason why he wouldn't remove it. Let me make it practical for all of us. Is everybody okay this morning? Can I, can I minister just a little long? He didn't even give him an excuse. He just said this. I know it hurts. My grace is sufficient. In other words, the, the DSV, ver, the Dean version, deal with it. And you know what? The apostle Paul goes on to say, he goes on to say that the Lord would allow these beatings on Paul, allow the enemy. And this is where we oftentimes get it twisted is when even the Lord allows the enemy. You don't think the enemy will, God will use the enemy? Like, I'm not coming back to this church no more. They believe even the devil gets used. God is much bigger than just using nice people and good circumstances. After all, who put Jesus on the cross? Judas came and betrayed him with a kiss. And you know what was amazing to me? You know how I know Jesus? He may have not have. He agreed with the cup. Maybe it didn't taste real good because he let his betrayer kiss him. Look, look at that. Some of us are like, yeah, Lord, I'll let you use her. I'll let you use him, but I ain't going to hug him. I ain't calling, I ain't calling him no more. I'm defriending them. Look, I was going to make it practical for some of you. Defriend. I'm not liking them Instagram photos no more. Because I'm from Pine Hills. They all know it anyway. And you know, the more that you, in, you learn to enjoy even the sufferings that God allows you to go through, the greater the crown. And no, this is not just three ways to blessing. It, it's not that. Re really what this kind of message should bring you to is just bring you into identification with Jesus. If you really want to know him, you can't just know the glorification side. Yes. You have to know the whole, every side of the cross. Yes. You have to know the shame as well as the glorification. You have to know the peace that it brings as well as sometimes torment. You have to sometimes go through things to appreciate what God did for you, Jesus did for you, on the cross. Somebody say, drink it. Now, I want to say this to you. Do you know what Gethsemane means in Hebrew? I'll say it in Hebrew. Some of you theologians will laugh at me. Gethsemanem. Gethsemanem. Do you know what that means? 
oil press. It makes sense now why he was, because everything in the scriptures is symbolic. The Bible says, for for some of you who love science and my thinkers in the room, his corpuscles, the Bible says, in one of the gospels, burst. There was so much pressure that the Bible says that his sweat became like great drops of blood because of the, the pressure. The pressure. And many of us want to remain an olive. That's why you're not involved yet. Because you want to be staying olive. While you're trying to remain an olive, like, hmm, I'm finally fruitful. I'm, I'm finally, I'm finally, I'm finally doing good. I've got, I got some peace. And then the Lord says, look, I'm not even after just making your life better. I'm after what's on the inside of you, but I can't get to what's inside of you until I let you suffer, until I bring you to my oil press. Because I want what's in you. You can, you can have the fruit that God's bore in your life. You can have it. Or you can go through the oil press and get the oil. Suffering brings oil. That's what it does, Rick. That's what the pressure is doing. It's bringing oil. Pressing you. You know, oftentimes wonder, I wondered what was in that cup. I think everything unimaginable. Everything that we, he didn't want. You know what I think ultimately it was? Is he didn't want to bear the, the separation between him and his father. You know, I believe he, this just came to me just now. Thank you, Jesus. He knew that suffering would bring closeness. And he knew if he didn't suffer, because do you, look at this. The distance was happening. The more that Jesus would go back and pray, he would go in more and more agony. Until he stopped trying to get God's mind to change. Until he said, it is finished. Do you see? Jesus stopped the bleeding. Peace at least returned to a degree. Meaning, when you finally say yes, it will bring you into communion with God. Lastly, can you just stand to your feet? Is anybody getting just a tiny bit out of this this morning? You know, you, know, you know what? This oftentimes is a, is a signal. Suffering is a signal. If you look at your life, I want you to evaluate right now, okay, as I'm speaking to you. Evaluate your life. And many of us have been through many seasons. Come on, let me see your hand. Have you been through many seasons? Usually each season before transition, something significant happens where you begin to feel crushed, where you feel pressure, where you feel like you're suffering, where you feel like God is offering a cup that you don't want. And you know what's the signal of? I, I truly believe it's the last test of each season. It's the last test. Here's what I mean. Watch this. Many don't catch this. I caught it this week in Mark chapter 14. Maybe you've seen it before. It says, Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. Maybe, tell me if I'm being a little bit theatrical. Some some of my team, they laugh at me. They're like, how did you get that out of that scripture? 
I'm going to read it a couple times because I really want it to resonate. It was almost like Jesus was graduating somewhere. Then they came to a place called Gethsemane. Can we put that first verse up on the screen? Mark chapter 14, verse 32. First verse. Then they came to a place. Then they came to a place. Almost as if it were like something, they were coming to this finality. They were, they were coming to an, a place of where something is about to end or something is about to happen. Then they, everybody say then. then. They came to a place. In this moment of Jesus' life, it's coming, this thing is coming to a close. What most ministers would deem a successful ministry run. Cast out devils, the blind are seeing, the dead are raised, church is growing, numbers are up, finances were coming in, going into Jesus' pocket, but nonetheless it was coming in. Things were really on the up and up. You would think like next level. And it was. Most people cannot see how the suffering that they're going through is next level. The fact that God is allowing you to go through what you're going through is a sign that he trusts. He doesn't, he doesn't allow you to go through seasons of suffering unless he trusts you with the suffering. Come on, look what was happening. Multitudes are being reached for Jesus. Multitudes are following him. Cripples are walking. Incurable diseases are being healed. The dead are being raised. You would think that this would be graduation day for Jesus. You would think this would be the day that Jesus receives his crown. You did. You had a great ministry run, three and a half years. Bravo. But God doesn't offer him a crown first. He offers him a cup. Can I tell you before you get to where God is calling you, that place, that next place, I don't know what that place is. I don't know. But you first have to take the cup. Can you just nudge somebody for me? I want you to be kind of, I want you to be my assistant this morning. Just nudge them. Just tiny. Don't hurt them. People suing stuff these days. Say, don't refuse the cup. Come on, go ahead and tell them. Say, don't, don't receive or don't, don't resist the cup. Yeah, I know that many of us have been preached until we're happy. We go from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith. We go from blessing to blessing. But I love, I love what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 says. If we endure, then we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we endure, if we suffer, we will reign with him. Anybody who's led anything major in their life have gone through some kind of suffering in whatever dimension or realm that they reign from. Now, this is lastly what I want to say to you, and I'm going to close this. There's something else that happened in the garden, and I'm going to prove to you that the anointing of God, that things will unlock when you choose to embrace the season that you're going through. Are you ready? Powerful truth here. John chapter 18. This is what I love about the Gospels. 
is because it all kind of says the same thing, but there's people who are in different sides of the rooms and they're capturing a moment that one of the other gospel writers didn't catch. Perspective. Now watch this. I don't believe that Mark's gospel recorded this while he was in Gethsemane. So Jesus gets up and he said, it is, come on, talk back to me. It is finished. He didn't go to the cross, so it wasn't finished. What was finished? Think, come on, use your spiritual brains. The test is finished. I drank the cup. And so Jesus gets up. Now watch this. Jesus had raised the dead. Say, he raised the dead. He healed the sick. Opened blind eyes. And he preached the gospel to the poor. But this was never recorded in his ministry, what I'm about to say, until he drank the cup. I really would like that one up on the screen. Is it impossible to get it up on the screen? John chapter 18, verse 6. I want you to hear this. Write it down for your reference. When he said, he gets up off the ground and he says, it is finished. And he says, now look, my betrayers are are at hand. This happened almost immediately after Jesus gets up off the ground. Immediately when he said, it's finished and he's ready, God sends the Roman Roman soldiers. They come to him. Judas kisses him on the cheek as a sign of betrayal. Now watch. When they said, where is Jesus? He says these words, quoting from Isaiah. I am he. I am he. Now why is that important? Because the verse says in verse 6, when he said, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. When did you ever see Jesus in all of his ministry speak like that with such power, power enough to knock people down? Maybe it's in a verse of scripture I haven't read. It's not there. Because when you choose to suffer, when you choose obedience, this is why the power is coming to you. When you choose to allow yourself to suffer for Christ's sake and endure, God-ordained seasons of suffering and you don't turn your back on the Lord and you love him through it and you say things like this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The anointing of God will increase on your life. And what used to not carry weight because you've chose to suffer God's way, God will increase the power on your life. Your words will carry weight when you allow yourself to suffer God's way. I'm not talking about suffering as a result of your sin. I'm not talking about suffering as a result of you doing something. I'm talking about those who have tried to do right and live right by God, who know that they've obeyed and they don't understand the suffering. That person, I believe that in the next couple weeks, this is what's going to happen to you. It's a cup, Angelique. It's a cup that few, few know, but even less drink. the Lord is saying to many of you, drink it, drink it. Oh, I know it hurts. Oh, I know it's painful, but drink it. There's a purpose in this pain. I want to elevate you. I want to trust you. I want to give more to you, but, but you've got to go through this season where you don't feel I'm with you, but I'm with you. When you don't, can't rely on my presence or feel me, trust that I'm there. No, I'm not allowing you to go through this because I don't love you. I'm allowing you to go through it because I do love you and I want to use you, but you have to drink this cup. 
I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, that each person who has resisted you in this room and is resisting you, even right now, some sitting here the whole time resisting the Holy Spirit, if there be anyone who's resisting whatever cup they've been offered to drink, do you know how many cups the Lord has offered me? And I would rather give my life than to drink the cup. Nobody said it was easy. I quote Catherine Kuhlman almost every week, her long prophetic finger. It costs everything. If you really want to know the price to walk with God, it'll cost you everything. Drink the cup. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.